welcome to De Facto Review, a weekly roundup of news and current affairs here in Mongolia, with our commentator, economist, and columnist, Javel De Facto. Good evening. And I'm Anand Tumurtov. We're live on Facebook on MNB World, and you can join in the conversation on Twitter with the hashtag Jarl underscore de facto. Today in our program, Mongolia has always struggled with a good qualified workforce. However, we might as well be losing the, them in the foreign markets. Mongolia, Mongolia's freedom of press compared to other Eurasian countries, we'll talk about that. And our third talk is how, how has political parties faltered in Mongolia and how has it affected the current political climate in Mongolia? Okay, on to our first topic. One of the biggest issues in our private sector, uh, especially in the small and medium price enterprise, is human capital. According to the World Bank, reported in 2010, Mongolians living abroad sent roughly around $260 million back home uh, compared to 2018, Mongolians sent over $300 million. That is roughly 2.7% of our GDP. Uh, um, there seems to be a trend in Mongolia where we're losing basically our qualified workforce abroad. And, um, and there's, there's no way to be stopping. So do you, what do you think, um, how we can stop this, or, sh or should we just leave it at be, basically? Well, f uh, first of all, we cannot stop it. In democratic country, people choose where they want to live. Mm -hmm. And so far, according to the research made by Minister of Foreign Affairs in 2017, almost 150,000 Mongolian, 150, Mongolians living in 67 countries. Mm -hmm. And this population equals to population of two IMACs. Bayung Hongor, Bolgang IMAC together, has have this amount 144,000 people mm. uh, population and it's about four and point four point five percent of Mongolian 3.2 million population mm. and uh, there is a break into inside of this uh, 150,000 24,000 up to 18 years old mm. mostly children mm. 26,000 uh, from 18 years old and upper and they work, they study. And uh, officially registered uh, people working abroad is 27,000, in which all together makes half of this 150,000. Another half is not clear mm. what is their status, mostly illegal. Mm. And some 500 people have refused or have signed off from the citizenship mm. of we Mongolia. Renounced their citizenship. 2018. Yes. So, and you said that they were transferring money. <clears throat> what happening is, in Korea, people say that they earn two months. Uh, they earn a, a whole year salary in Mongolia for only two months in Korea. Two months? Yeah. Yes. It is also uh, uh, taking into account the exchange rate. Mm. Different. <clears throat> Why are they living abroad? Mostly people connected with... <clears throat> unemployment, etc. But the most important broader in broader sense, first reason is economic. Mm. Why? Because it's hard to find a job here in Mongolia that is paying sufficient enough to meet your ends monthly. Because there is no right way of private sector development, no right right competition 
and a very high interest rate for loan and a very high uh, income tax, mm. all, all type of tax altogether, combined together almost 40 plus percent mm. of whatever you earn you pay to the government. Uh, <clears throat> so so uh, there seemed to be uh, a mistake or a problem that happened that caused this. And what do you think that what is the biggest policy mistake that our government did to have this kind of problem? Yeah, I would like to continue to finish my wow. reasons. First, it's economic reason. Second, it's uh, social issues. Why? Because it's very hard to live in Mongolia and in, in Ulaanbaatar in particular. Many people are living out uh, urban area, uh, rural area and coming to Ulaanbaatar, more car, more traffic jam and very bad planning. Why? Because the, the spaces, land spaces close to infrastructure was sold under the table by the previous mayors and all this stuff, oh, people in Ulaanbaatar city. And a good example is Yarmak land, the land that the, uh, on the left side, if you go to the airport, all this area is now being uh, built up. And this land, not, not clear how they have sold it. With, if they have sold it, open an auction there, we could have some money. And, uh, the, the, which makes terrible air pollution. People run away from the solution. The third is uh, <coughs> people go also for abroad, abroad for education, for health care, etc. Et so all this together combined makes that 150,000. As far as your question concerned about what kind of mistakes the government did, the, the, that's what the corruption, that's what is stopping us to have the, the place, Ulaanbaatar city and Ulaanbaatar Mongolia to, to place, uh, to be living normal way. Uh, <clears throat> mostly it is because the government, the people don't understand, don't know exactly how to participate in democratic process in the country other than election. Mm -hmm. They are not able to watch, monitor, control the government. And the government is not trans is transparent, mm -hmm. though they are relatively transparent, but not completely. Good example, for example, the, the small medium enterprise support money. Mm -hmm. And now how come that all these lawmakers are having this money instead of the small medium enterprises? Mm -hmm. In, if you take a bigger picture, there is a three branches of power, government, the legislature, executive, and the judiciary. They are supposed to be mutually balanced, mutually checked each other, which mm -hmm. we have lost. Mm -hmm because all uh, ministers are also parliament member. Mm. And because this corruption is there, we don't combat the corruption because people not pushing enough the government to combat corruption. As a result, the process went so long that today we are not able to solve it once. And this judiciary system is not working for the people. They are working for people who, who, who makes a ruling, mm. who, who, who are in the power. So that's why too much, uh, that's why uh, the people leaving the country, and too much state in the government, in the, in the, in the economy, through so-called state-owned enterprises, which are actually owned by the party-owned enterprises, mm. they are making competitive, not competitive, every sector in the economy. Mm. And they are subsidized by the government, mm. and there are no free market competition, and all, a lot of prices are uh, controlled by the government. Mm. Uh, so, so so basically, do you, do you see that um, if we have better infrastructure, if we have better infrastructure, if we have better policy, or <coughs> maybe limit limit government power, do you see that that trend of losing our workforce to foreign markets will, will change? We will will get those back, or maybe we, or um, maybe have a policy where we 
boycott people from going to... Like, you, first of all, we cannot boycott. It's free country, mm -hmm. democratic country. Secondly, uh, where there should be certain trust in the system mm. that they can work hard, get the money well, and the, can select the jobs. There should be opportunities, many opportunities, mm. which are not. And uh, the, first of all, in, at the macroeconomic level, the prices are not, should not uh, to be not fixed by the government. It mm. should be a free price, which gives a free foundation for free competition. And the, you cannot compete with the uh, company of your minister. So there should be very transparent, power transparent, and the people who has uh, big uh, business interests who are now running the country in certain branch of their power, they should declare, they should be separated, should create a trust where they can transfer the interest rate, interest, and then do be working for the people. The sort of conditions we need. Um, and plus, in order to uh, have them, these people, leaving 150,000 people coming back, we also should make, first of all, I think, uh, we should make very clear that double citizenship is uh, to be permitted. It should be permitted for those who are leaving and having interest to have the citizenship of Mongolia also. Mm. Those leaving who in the third neighbor countries, mm. not in two immediate neighbor, three with Kazakhstan. Because if these people, our neighbors are too much here, we will be disappearing because we are only three million. Mm. So very, we should announce very clearly that, that we will uh, permit the third uh, neighbors, citizens to have a, also citizenship permission in Mongolia. That's mm. first. Second, now we, need, you, we need to make such a sort of power to attract, not distract the Mongolians living abroad. Mm. Uh, having that, for example, <clears throat> how many people now work in Korea, now more people will go to Japan. Those who are working in Japan should, be, should have this professional certificate wherever they are working. Mm -hmm. They should have the Japanese certificate. That's the, where the state can work, help them. Mm -hmm. A private company cannot do it. Mm -hmm. so, so that when they come back from Japan, they can show their certificate that they do this and that work performing very good. So this is um, you know, one way of having confidence for them to come back, to find jobs, to create own businesses. Mm -hmm. Okay, m moving on from that topic, our second topic. The annual Eurasia Economic Summit is organized annually by the Marmara Group of Strategic <coughs> and Social Research Foundation of Turkey. Representatives of the Eurasian regional government and private sector representatives participated in the summit. And the 22nd summit was uh, held in Istanbul, Turkey this week. Uh, you have participated in, in, the, in the summit and you gave a speech. Uh, please uh, tell our viewers um, what, what was the most important things that were discussed at the summit and how did you and what capacity did you participate in, in this summit? This Marmara Group Foundation is a Turkish uh, think tank mm -hmm. who is organizing this Euro-Asia Economic Summit. Summit means mostly former, a lot presidents, former presidents, ministers, and the civic society, uh, uh, businesses coming together and discussing the issues mm -hmm. facing uh, by the Asians and the Europeans uh, every year. That's 22nd. They are, they, this institution is more than 33 years old, mm -hmm. and they organized this one in 22nd times. Before me, there were mostly government officials, our ex presidents were there. In fact, ex-president Dilbukdurj was invited, who could not make. But there were some 17, 18 presidents, prime ministers, ex-prime ministers. 
So they have been discussing interesting issues like uh, artificial intelligence, a threat or solution, water immigration, uh, water in the religion, health cooperation, mm -hmm. populism, etc. And I was in the, for, in the part where we were talking about the global dimensions. Probably I was the only person who was raising a more truly uh, media, media and non-government organizations perspective mm -hmm. in the forum. And I said that <clears throat> it's a very, uh, you know, Istanbul is a very symbolic place for meeting Asia and Africa, uh, Asia and Europe. Mm. It's three, there, there are it's really a, the places in between uh, two. Yes, two it's, in, it's in Europe, but it's continents. also part of Turkey and Turkey. So, and I, I told them that I was flying from Mongolia to Turkey over seven countries. Mm -hmm. And uh, let's, say, let's see how our situation in these seven countries in terms of uh, freedom, political mm -hmm. freedom, civil liberty, and press media freedom. So I uh, made a table and I su suggested them that uh, peace and prosperity comes only when there is uh, political freedom, which is democracy, and plus free market. Mm -hmm. And in those countries, free market have more or less better, at least better existing than in Mongolia. But there is a political freedom I'm missing. And I brought the table with the uh, Freedom House uh, information. Mm -hmm. It turned out that out of the nine countries, Mongolia, China, Russia, Kazakhstan, Uzbekistan, Azerbaijan, Armenia, and Turkey, mm -hmm. nine countries where 1.7 billion people live, mm -hmm. uh, only one country is free, which is Mongolia. Mm -hmm. It is out of uh, seven scores it got first, from first most uh, free, the seventh, the least free, mm. the Freedom House Index. And Mongolia is, a, in that ter terms, freedom, political rights and civil liberties, one of seven. Mm. Uh, only Armenia, the second, 4.5 out of seven. Mm. The remaining is all not free countries, China, Russia, Pakistan, Kyrg Kazakhstan, Kyrgyzstan, Uzbekistan, Azerbaijan, Turkey, not free. And in terms of press, right? Uh, and the, Press freedom by Freedom House, they regarded all not free. Mm -hmm. Mongolia partly free, Armenia partly free. But so I went to the details. Mm. There was a repartiture without uh, borders. Reported without borders. Yeah, Berlin-based international think tank, yes. which also ranked those countries by press freedom. Press Freedom Index 2018 ranked Mongolia, the best one among this, mm. still the status problematic. Mm. We have 29 in Mongolia. The next one is 29 Armenia. The remaining is uh, now very, very bad shape. Mm -hmm. This is uh, China, Uzbekistan, Azerbaijan, uh, bad shape, Turkey. Mm. And there is a ranking of uh, 180 countries by this organization by uh, press freedom. Mm. Mongolia 71 with its problematic status. <laughs> and, uh, Armenia 80, but the remaining is 100, for example, there's 176, China, Russia, uh, 149, 48, mm. and Uzbekistan 165, and Turkey is 157. Mm. And probably, uh, I was talking about that uh, religion, uh, the freedom in uh, Turkey mm. at this uh, conference. Um, why? Because there are 140,000 people are in prison in Turkey since October 21, uh, since July 16th failed coup 
2016. Mm -hmm. and, and most of them are uh, teachers. And 142,000 uh, public officers are prisoned, uh -huh. and also 200 media outlets are closed, and 319 journalists are arrested. Some sentenced to life to live in to life in a jail, and it is according to the Guardian newspaper from October 21st, 2018. And I told at the conference that, you know, journalists are people who are expressing the people's thoughts. Mm -hmm. Let the people talk. If people don't talk with the words, they talk with bullets. That's why that was my message. Mm -hmm. Of course, I got uh, controversial reactions. Uh, but overall, uh, I believe I come from the understanding that people have full right to express their opinion, their expressions, even if it's wrong, controversial, but they, people should discuss. Yes. Then you have more guarantee for peace and prosperity than less. Mm. So uh, Mongolia, because we are living in a free country, yes, we have problems, many political, economic problems, but we discuss it. Mm. And we listen to each part of the society. I think that's the something valued very much. That's what I was expressed at this uh, conference. Mm -hmm. Okay, um, moving on to our next topic. Um, during the past three months, uh, the events of parliament and the government have led to a mass demonstrations. Members of parliament even protested against the speaker to, to step down and boycott, boycott parliament sessions. And legislative activity has stalled for more than a month. This is the longest ever uh, a stall in, in Parliament history in Mongolia. And you talked about these events that happened in, in the Mongolian government that this is a political crisis. And you even wrote about an article that why the bridge fell. That then the source of that crisis is our, is our political parties, basically. And, uh, and more and more people recently have, have, have distrust of political parties. And they're, they're most, of, uh, most of them are concerned that they want a strong man to rule Mongolia. They want a person to look over us. They don't want any more parties to be in the government, basically. Um, and wh why, why is there so much mistrust for parties? Yeah, this is very unfortunate uh, uh, phenomena in Mongolia, but mm -hmm. uh, it is expected, mm -hmm. unavoidable phenomena, because party is a group of people who has a value, same value, common value, mm -hmm. and ideology to, to seize the power. Yes. In a democratic way, yes. through elections. That's why it's a different people in different institutions. Mm -hmm. But however, because in democracy it is not possible to run the country without political power, yeah. political parties, we need to fix our political parties, which is in a very bad shape. Why? And that's why people don't like it. Mm. Political parties are bridge between people and uh, state. Yes. But... Uh, this bridge in Mongolia already broken. Instead, they made a bridge, the state, with the people who are financing the political party. We call them in Mongolia and Russia oligarch. Yes. Who has a lot of money, and now they have political party, mm. to get political power, mm. financial power, political power. So why people don't now more like, dislike the political parties? First, in Mongolia, two political parties in particular, two, three, the most are a lot financed from the budget. We don't know exactly how much they are financed. They keep secret, they don't report it. It looks like a lot to such a level that these political parties ruling people are becoming completely independent from the membership fees.
from the members. Kind of they are separated from the mass. And there are a group of um, so-called political party members who are lost. They don't know how, to, how they are financed, etc., because there is no report. So that's very bad tendency. It, I know it's for corruption better to finance political parties through budget, mm. but however, so much if you are financing them, they separate from the people. In Germany, for example, one-third is financed from the budget, one-third from the people, uh, membership fee, mm. one-third is from the donation of the political party members, mm. including in particular people who have high-ranking uh, office positions. Mm -hmm. So that's first reason. Second reason, uh, two political parties claim that they have 150,000 each members. But when it, there was a, a primary inside of the political parties, there was a 10 times more. Mm -hmm. I mean, 10 times less. Not, it, 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 there was only maybe several. So there's fewer members in political parties. Actually, what they are claiming for. The third is our two political parties that became very obsolete, mm. old, and there's a no difference between ideology of these two political parties. And they are way behind the time. Oh, do, do they even have ideologies, though? Good question, because we are all confusing. Yeah. They are telling one thing before election, uh, completely doing the opposite after elections. Mm -hmm. Mostly close to elections, they promise everything in the world to electors. Mm -hmm. And when there are real-time comes, <laughs> they explain why those things are not coming. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, the, the, most, the most disadvantage of Mongolian political parties are <coughs> their internal structures like uh, the Communist Party before. They are replacing state structure. Even the Democratic Party, though? Yes. They're, they're politically, they've almost no difference in between the two political parties. Mm. So they are both very populistic. That's mm. what we came, and that's why the economy is collapsed here. <coughs> that's why. That's the reason. Uh, so what needs to be done to get out of this political crisis? And, and, uh, and does a third party can change that system or... or Maybe what, what can be done <coughs> to, to have that, basically have more ideologies for those parties? First of all, these two political parties must be more institutional. Mm. We need more institutionalization of these two political parties. Today we have kind of, actually we have by law, parliamentarian system, but we have kind of semi-presidential uh, system today. Mm. And it should be one of them. Uh, but many countries are now moving to the pr full parliamentarian system. What do you say that we <coughs> have a semi-presidential system? No, because the political, actually the, the power of president turned out rather, rather big. They were creating laws which made him more powerful. And today he is the, one of the, uh, the main uh, driver of the changes. But, but he can't pass laws, though. He can only suggest laws. No, but however, however, he nominates all judicial system. Mm. And uh, that, that the previous one was uh, nominating those people who would be more serving uh, what they, their, their interests is, his political parties, himself, etc. Mm. So that's one reason. Mm. One thing we must do it. Mm. Uh, second, uh, we should develop mm, internal democracy of political parties. Mm. And it is not only the work of, by members, it is a whole society. Because in democracy, only, only the political party takes power, mm. state power. So government, uh, people should demand 
I mean people, civic society, informed people with knowledge, less emotion, but informed people with knowledge, facts, they should share their energy, their facts, their sources to solve the problem. And the political parties are a problem. Mm. Either you be a member of the political parties, make insight more democratic, or if you are not a member, then make demand them to be more democratic from outside. Yeah. That's why the Facto Institute made a special survey, first time in the history mm. of Mongolia. We made uh, in uh, cooperation with the Israeli Institute of Democracy, the Internal Party Democracy Index of Mongolian political parties. Mm. Unfortunately, out of 28, only six participated. The others were refusing. Mm -hmm. So it also shows that how much they are democratic. And <clears throat> the third is we, change, we need to change this uh, clientelistic structure where political parties serves their clients, those who are making, giving money. Mm -hmm. So that's the situation. Uh, <clears throat> so mostly it has to do of further institutionalization of political parties. That's what the agenda for Mongolia now. Mm -hmm. uh, but uh, you talked about clientelistic system. Can you like, explain more more broadly on that? How did our parties become more clientelistic? Like how at all level, political parties are serving the people who who are serving them. So that's why it's more more client oriented. Mm. Churches, because uh, churches told that um, the democracy is not the best what we have, mm. but it's the only one. The, which one work it the most. So one thing clear, we don't give political power to any individuals. We give to political parties. So the, the, the further development as an institution of political parties are the number one and key interest, the number one issue that we should solve the problem. Yeah. You know, <clears throat> now what's happening, now what's happening is uh, <clears throat> up to now, up to last election, mm. the two current political parties who are running the country in, uh, in coalition or separately, they were so much resistant uh, against registering new political parties, if you remember. Mm -hmm. But nowadays, suddenly, for the last few months, they started to register new political parties. Now, uh, they have registered three new political parties, and I'm sure they will register another maybe seven or so. Mm -hmm. Probably we, we may come to election, either snap election or the regular election. We will come with more than pol four political parties. You know why? Why? Because they are fraction, fraction, fractioning the voters mm -hmm. so that the... If two current political parties will, they, their rating is so bad now, huh? under mm. about 30%. All goes down. Then the, the other, because there's so many political parties, none of them will have major seats. Mm. So that's why still these two, one of them will be still running the country, in probably, most probably in coalition with one or two the political, new political parties, like it happened in Czech Republic in 2013. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. <coughs> Okay, um, well, th that's all we have for today. Uh, thanks for watching. This has been the Factor Review, and we'll see you next week on MMB World. Thank you very much. Have a good evening. One is the founder of YouTube.